and then Tony got sick and asked me to fill in for him. Okay. So if I start feeling poor, poorly during this, then uh, I need someone to fill in for me. All right. And I, I don't know what his topic was going to be, so I just go with my own, right? I keep looking for Ben. I do have cotton mouth tonight, so he'll show up. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Our Father, we're grateful to be your children. We're thankful, Father, for this church. We're thankful for uh, your kingdom. And having been translated therein, Father, you care for us and you nurture us and protect us. And we know that every good thing that we experience in our life comes from you, that you are behind every blessing. And we are so thankful. And, Father, we're thankful for the spiritual life that we live in Christ and the, the peace that we find there that surpasses understanding. And we're thankful, Father, for your Son and for your Word and His influence on us through your Word, Father. And we just pray that tonight that uh, you'll bless us with, uh, with a good study and help us to remember these things and to search the Scriptures to make sure that what we're talking about is, is accurate and uh, and have the courage to correct and the kindness to react appropriately when we're corrected. And we thank you now for this time and pray that you'll be with us as we study, that all things would be done uh, in a way that is pleasing to you and uh, in accordance with your word and your will. And thank you most of all for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and start in Leviticus chapter 26. There are a lot of scriptures that tell us to edify one another. My favorite is Ephesians 4 and verse 29 where it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed from your mouth, but only words that are good to the use of edification. Only only words that are edifying that they might minister grace unto the hearers and so according to that verse at least everything we say we're commanded that everything we say is edifying but we were looking at some scriptures last week that told us that you know in uh, there in John chapter 2 for example right at the end of the chapter and then several times throughout John uh, again in John chapter 6 uh, right after it talks about the disciples that couldn't they just couldn't grasp this concept of eat my flesh and drink my blood and down in I think it's uh, either somewhere between verse 63 and 66 there in John chapter 6 it says that they followed him no more they left they departed and then it talks again there about Jesus knowing man's heart Jesus knows the heart and so when we look at a verse like Ephesians 4 verse 29 where it says to let no corrupt communication proceed from your mouth but only words that are edifying building up right Um, then we know it's not just our words but our thoughts right because God knows the thoughts and intents of our hearts Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 right where there it says 
the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the, the dividing under of soul and spirit, of the joints and the marrow, and here it is, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You just made my Christmas list. All right. So the end of that, Hebrews 4 and 12 there, where it says, not only is the word of God alive and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, the joints and marrow, but God's word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. So we live in the here and now, right? It's a matter of hermeneutics, I think. The here and now versus the there and then when we study Bible history. But we live in the here and now. Uh, And they got all kinds of stuff nowadays that uh, they they tell folks uh, to live in the presence. Live in the now. Don't live in the past. Don't think about the future. Just live about now. Of course, we think constantly about the future and heaven with God. So we're not going to buy that. Don't think about the future thing. We, we have a goal, right? And so live in the now. Focus on now. So, so let's do that for a moment. And analyze your own thoughts. Because we're told in Scripture to search the Scriptures um, and to, to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. That's heavy, right? So we're told to examine ourselves to see if we're in a faith. So let's examine our thoughts right now, right? And in the past few minutes, are your thoughts edifying? If they came out your mouth without that filter, if what you're thinking just came out, right, unfiltered, and what you've been thinking for the past few minutes and the past hour. So that's pretty much in the here and now, right? Then are the thoughts edifying? And then we can go back a little farther to that and think about our experiences this week and how we react to people and situations. And we ask ourselves, are our thoughts edifying? Do we respond and react to people in a way that builds them up, Right? And uh, there are some verses, too, that talk about how it's, it's easy when you're dealing with people you love, but sometimes those are the folks we treat the worst, right? But it's easy when you're dealing with people you know and people you love, but what about when, when you're dealing with people that you don't like, that maybe you don't want to be kind to? Um, and perhaps there's someone in your life that way, too. So we, we examine the thoughts and intents of our heart because God's Word does, Right? And so we examine our own to see if we're in the faith. Do we take that seriously? Right? If I find that my thoughts are not edifying, if my feelings towards someone would not build them up, God's aware of that. Am I willing to change and repent from that mindful behavior? Right? Let's look at... uh, Leviticus chapter 26, and I'll start in verse 14. I don't have any slides, but I haven't had time putting it together. So. I'm the backup to the backup for those of you who came in late, so don't judge. Don't judge me. All right. Leviticus chapter 26, and uh, I'll start with verse 14, read through 16 there, where it says, 
But if you do not obey me and do not observe all these commandments, and if you despise my statutes, or if your soul abhors abhors my judgments so that you do not perform all my commandments but break my covenant, I also will do this to you. And you know, if you back up to, uh, go down to verse 23 before that, or I'm sorry, verse 3, and, and consider the, uh, the flip side of this coin that came first, see? So he talked about the blessings before he talked about that. And they said there, starting with verse 3, said, If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season, the land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage, and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely and on and on, right? So the blessings, and then we got down over to verse 14, and he says, but if you do not obey me, no blessings, right? And so he was uh, he was sharing that with them there, and then uh, much of the same we find in Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter? Deuteronomy chapter 30, I think. <clears throat> yeah. Verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. Kind of sounds like the, the passage we just read, right? Where you start with verse 3, life and good. And then you jump over to verse 26, and death and evil. Verse 16, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear, and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God and that you may obey his voice that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. And I like there, in well, the whole passage, really, but the part where, in verse uh, 19, he said, Therefore, choose life right so if we can establish that god expects the same kind of obedience of the new testament christian and we'll look at some passages in the new testament then we can understand that the message is similar for us but we'll look at that we'll get to that in a moment but i like where he says choose life because when i examine myself to see if i'm in the faith and I find that in some ways, perhaps I'm not. Like, think of the parable of the sower and the seed. Uh, and you have the, the different types of soil there. And that was given to us 
to examine ourselves and to ask sincerely, what kind of soil am I? What kind of soil am I? Where, where do I fall in that, uh, in that parable, right? And we want to be edifying, to build one another up. Jesus said in John chapter 13 and uh, uh, verse uh, 34 and 35 there, the new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. And he said that that's how folks would know that we belong to him and would draw them unto him. So uh, choose life. And we choose life with our every action and our every thought and the love that we have or don't have for our brothers and sisters, right? Therefore, we endeavor to love one another. And not, not just in word, but in deed. When we have an opportunity to show that love, uh, we want the proof to be there. Choose life. That reminds me of the time that uh, my daughter Stephanie... Uh, was teaching Levi. He was real small, like uh, three or something. And uh, he kept getting aggravated. And she would tell him, choose happy. Choose happy. She kept telling him, choose happy, when he would be mad so that he would hear that when he was aggravated. And she's helping him change the way that he reacted to things. And then uh, one afternoon, she's sitting at the counter working on her computer and got frustrated with it, right? And he comes up behind her over here and tells her, Choose happy, Mom, Mama. <laughs> so, therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And we want that for our descendants as well. Um, let's look at uh, Ecclesiastes. Uh, they moved it. Ecclesiastes 12. <clears throat> We're all familiar with this, very familiar with the last few verses of Ecclesiastes here. And I'll start in verse 13 where he said, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Kind of like Jesus' prayer in John 17. That sounds kind of important. I mean, when you read that in the Bible, that you're about to hear the conclusion of the whole matter, right that kind of encompasses a lot like everything fear God and keep his commandments for this is man's all another version says it's a whole duty of man for this is the whole duty of man to fear God and keep his commandments for God will bring every work into judgment including every secret thing whether good or evil Again, going back to the Spirit and the Word being a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. When God examines our heart, what is he finding there? What is he finding there? About the way that we're loving one another and that we're loving people in the world to bring them to Christ showing them our love for one another since Jesus said that that's what would bring them to him Um, let's look at uh, Isaiah 
Isaiah. <laughs> Sorry. 42. Uh, verse, I'll start in verse 23. Who among you will give ear to this? Who will listen and hear for the time to come? Who gave Jacob for plunder and Israel to the robbers? Was it not the Lord? He against whom we have sinned, for they would not walk in his ways, nor were they obedient to his law. And then to the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 7. So we started off there in the Old Testament. Um, we know that God does not change. Some things changed in his covenant with the new covenant, different from the old covenant, and we understand that, but God never changed. The same God that we read about in the Old Testament, sometimes the scary God, right? Uh, same God that we're dealing with and serving in the New Testament. So you look at Matthew chapter 7, I'll start with verse 21 there. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your, your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness." And you've got to read a little bit before and after this to put it into proper context, right? So I'll read on just a little bit. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So what sayings is Jesus referring to at the end of chapter 7? Well, when you consider that uh, the, the one that they call a Sermon on the Mount is chapters 5, 6, and 7, so this is right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, then uh, it's wise for us to become very familiar with the Sermon on the Mount and to use all the sayings contained therein to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith, in addition to the parable of the sower and the seeds and the other scriptures that we look at. And so to give it a little more context, let's back up because it's really scary. Uh, when, when, when I was a young Christian, uh, I can remember hearing... Uh, preachers uh, and occasionally a teacher they would start at verse 21 and read through verse 23 and not give it much more context and just terrify me as a new Christian right <laughs> uh, but when you back up to verse 15 see what he said before that beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravenous wolves you will know them by their fruits 
And so I highlighted that in my Bible. You'll know them by their fruits. Back to the parable of the sower and the seed, right? Uh, have you ever sat down? Uh, Saturday morning is the best time for me because uh, Saturday morning I get up, I've got the whole house to myself, and I can read my Bible, and I can pray and meditate on what I'm reading and drink that coffee. Man, I love me some Folgers, right? Drink my coffee with a little foo-foo creamer in there, and I got my Bible, and I'm just relaxed. I've got the most beautiful, luxurious recliner in the world, right? Went to Lazy Boy and got an all-leather mahogany recliner, and I look like a little person sitting in it because it's so big and fluffy. As a matter of fact, Melissa and I got an argument in the store because she wanted a cheaper one, right? And no, ma'am, not this. And so we started arguing, and a guy scuttled off the salesman. We scared him away. Had to call him back over. No, no, sir, come here. We're Irish. You got nothing to worry about, you know. And uh, so, you know, he comes back over, and uh, I bought that recliner. So, you know, that's how you set yourself up on Saturday morning. You, You read the Word. You meditate. You think on that. And then you put yourself into the scenario. And, and where do you fall when you're using these scriptures to examine yourself? And it says here, verse 16, you will know them by their fruits. And so that's what he's talking about when he gets down to that stuff where he says, depart, you, I never knew you. Depart from me, I never knew you. The most terrifying thing in all of scripture, right? And so we think about our fruit. So Saturday morning... If you have that peaceful time, or whenever your time is for that, sometime try making a list of your fruit. Examine your fruit. Uh, I'm not sure if if we do that. We just, we're, we're good people, and we just operate on the assumption that our fruit is fine, right? But sometimes you really need to sit down and focus on it, examine it, And there's nothing saying you can't take a pen and a piece of paper and list your fruit. Because we really need to know what's going on with that stuff, right? And then he goes on to say, Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. And then he goes on saying, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. So let's look at uh, Luke chapter 6. That was Matthew chapter 7. Luke chapter 6. verse 46 kind of sounds like a parallel passage to that one in Matthew right but why do you call me Lord Lord and do not do the things which I say whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them I will show you whom he is like he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. 
and the ruin of that house was great. Let's look at uh, John chapter 14. Uh, This is one we talked about in class recently. Tony talked about just a few months ago. I'm trying to kind of tie these together with a theme here, right? So in John chapter 14 and uh, beginning in verse 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So you, you kind of have to stop and, and think through the logic of what was just said here, right? Okay, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And you could flip that around and say, he who loves me keeps my commandments. John chapter 14 and 15, in fact, says that very thing. If you love me, you will keep my commandments right and it says here and he who loves me will be loved by my father so he who keeps my commandments loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and then it says and I will love him so Jesus will love that person who keeps his commandments and manifest myself to him And Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him in verse 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. So here, at the end of this verse, when he says, the word which you hear is not mine, Jesus said, but the Father's who sent me. Uh, On Sunday, uh, when I started my lesson Sunday morning, I cited my source, uh, two sources, in fact, uh, where uh, most of the scriptures from that lesson came from, uh, brother in Fort something, Florida, Fort Myers, Florida, named Schultz. Last name Schultz. The first name escapes me. Um, But this fellow Schultz gave this lesson on how we are commanded throughout Scripture to be worthy. To be worthy of the calling, to be worthy of the kingdom of God, to be worthy of God, it said there. And since I had gotten uh, the Scriptures and the order that they were delivered from this fellow Schultz in Fort Myers, Florida, and some of it from an article in the AP, the apologetics, I forget what the P stands for. Thank you. The apologetics press, one of the articles I read in there. You cite your sources, you know, if you get your information from somewhere else. Um, And eventually you forget where you got it, and you keep saying those things, and you're no longer citing your sources. And then by the time you're my age, nothing you say is original. Everything came from someone. I just can't remember who said the stuff. So, you know, you, you try your best to, to exercise academic integrity, you know. Uh, but, you know, when, when a preacher gives a good lesson or a teacher gives a good lesson, they want, in this environment, they want everyone to repeat those things. That's, that's why we talk, right? That's why we, we give lessons. We want the people, the hearers, to be edified 
and to go share those things with someone else, you don't need to tell them you heard it from Danny Elmore. But Jesus does that here at the end of this verse where he says, the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. He's citing his source here, the same way I did on Sunday, right? So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Um, we'll start in verse 37. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 37 it said, If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. And you know, we like to back up a little bit and then go forward a little bit to give the, the passage we're reading context. Uh, if you back up to verse 34, what had he said right before he said, the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord, right? In verse 34, he said, Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in the church. And so um, he establishes right after that that, what he's saying here to the Corinthian church is not grounded in any cultural practice, but that came from God, in the word of God, right? To give that a little context. And now let's look at John chapter 8. Since we're talking about Jesus citing his sources. Jesus set the example for that, okay? The, the APA style didn't invent that, right? <laughs> uh, Jesus did. And you look at this in John chapter 8, and starting in verse 26, uh, where he says, about the middle of that verse, where he says, but he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him, citing his source, right? And then again down in verse 28, uh, the second half of that verse, he said, I do nothing of myself, but as my father taught me, I speak these things, citing his source. Jesus is saying the things that I'm speaking, the things that I'm teaching, this is the word of God. These things came from God. And in verse 29, the tail end of that verse, he said, I always do those things that please him. That's the example Jesus set for us. He always did the things that pleased God. That's our example to follow. And then down in verse 38, he said, I speak what I have seen with my father. And then in verse 40, he says, but now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. And then in verse 42, he repeats, If God were your father, would you love me? Or if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. And then in verse 49, Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father. 
And then in verse 51, If anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. In verse 54, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me. And then at the end of verse 55, he says, But I do know him and keep his word. And then in verse 58, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Okay? Uh, Back to the the beginning of this same book. uh, In John, it starts off, In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And it goes on to establish that the word became flesh, and dwelt among us. So Jesus is the Word, and Jesus is God. That's uh, the Godhead three, I've heard it called, right? I've heard that referred to as the Trinity. They are three, but they're one, like water, ice, and vapor. The three forms of the chemical H2O, water, ice, and steam or vapor. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three but one. Kind of helps us better understand what, uh, what we were hearing in class with Bob on uh, Sunday morning where he was reading, uh, we were studying John chapter 17, where Jesus kept praying there, over and over and over that we would be one talking about our unity our spiritual unity that we would be one the same way that he was with the father right and these are difficult concepts because it's it's hard for physical beings to grasp spiritual things right it's hard for us to wrap our mind around that but uh, we keep we keep studying it we keep talking about it and we keep trying and, you know, I can, I can assure you, because you, you might be thinking, you know what, I've wrapped my mind around that as much as I'm going to, because I've been a Christian since 1988, and so I've, I've done all the wrapping around that concept that, I, that I'm going to in this life. Not necessarily true, because think about where you're at now spiritually, as a spiritually minded person, and, and understanding and comprehending and applying the Word of God compared to where you were, say, a year after you became a Christian. Think about that difference, right? So how do you know there won't be a similar difference between where you are right now and five years from now in terms of your, your understanding, your spiritual understanding of the God, God's Word, you know? And uh, we're fortunate to worship in a place where there's so much emphasis on reading God's word. And God said, have no other gods before me. So whatever it is that takes you away from time with God, because God doesn't want our spare time, he wants our precious time, right? So whatever it is that takes us away from God, be it television or activities or, or anything that we might be uh, obsessed with or addicted to or social media or just surfing on a computer or video games uh, anything can uh, can become an obstacle in your life between you and God 
And if that happens, you just stop growing. And then when you do that comparison of now to five years from now, uh, you won't see much difference because we're focused on the wrong things. But the Bible says, have no other gods before me. So then we compare the amount of time that we spend. And remember, time was given to us by God. We sleep for around eight hours. That leaves 16 hours. So you've got to work for eight more hours, right? That still leaves eight. That's, that can be a lot of time, right? And uh, you young parents, hang in there. It gets you, You'll have more time for yourself later. <laughs> yeah, it's coming. Uh, I'm not going to say it's better because in many ways it's not. When I get up on Saturday morning in that empty house, there's some sadness too, you know. You think about, anybody know what I'm talking about? Because your kids are, and they're in their 30s, and you just want them all to move back home, you know. Yeah, can we just, can, no? <laughs> Maybe a sleepover, you know. Can we, can we go camping, you know, something like that. Yeah. All right. Um, and so, then I'm going to wrap this up. You're welcome, by the way. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28. So we know that the Lord's Supper is the most important reason that we come together on the first day of the week. We know that. And so that's something that we really think about and look forward to, that communion together with one another and with our God. So Matthew 26 and verse 28, we read, Jesus said, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Jesus' blood was shed for us for the remission of sins. And we understand that. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, I doubt anyone hasn't heard this. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. There's the connection. Jesus said when he established the Lord's Supper that his blood was for the remission of sins. And here we see that when you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, it's for the remission of sins. Same thing. And then in Revelations chapter 1 and verse 5, which bell was that? I wasn't paying attention. First bell, okay. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Jesus washes us of our sins in his own blood in the watery grave of baptism when we're baptized that's when we come into contact with the blood of Christ and receive 
the forgiveness for our sins. And then 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 through 9 there. But if we walk in the light, Scott preached on this Sunday evening, right? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So there, there's some conditions being thrown at us here. If we walk in the light, if, and we've got to pay attention, that's only a two-letter word, but that's a big word, if. And when Christians hear if from the Bible, we want to see if what, right? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So if I'm not walking in the light, I don't have fellowship with you. I mean, I might, I might we might pretend. I, you know, I, I, I might, uh, you know, it talks about a wolf uh, in sheep's clothing could come in among us and you don't know it, right? I could come in that way. Uh, I'm not walking in the light when I'm not here with you. Different life, right? Um, then I can't have fellowship with you. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Again, the blood cleansing us from our sin that we first came into contact with in that watery grave. Uh, I kept. Uh, I, I gave a sermon last October, and when I went home and looked at the recording on the, the online, I discovered then that it was 53 minutes. So I'm going to let you go early tonight. I appreciate your attention. We should be even.